to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. We are looking at John Favreau's 2008 film Iron Man. And back with us again, we have Scott Corelli and Nick Jimenez from the Cornetto Minute. Hey, guys. Hey. Thanks for, thanks for having us back. Welcome back. We are thrilled to have you. And today we are talking about Iron Man Minute 59. We're almost to the hour mark. We are going to be looking at uh, this minute. It starts with a hot slice of raised pizza. And it ends with Tony grabbing the pizza and leaving. So we get to see him be a guy who who plays a lot, right? And that's very satisfying in other minutes. And then he kind of throws a tantrum, right? As he's trying to to explain how responsible he is on behalf of, you know, the company. And then he takes his pizza and literally goes home. Right. It's it's very funny because... you know, he's he plays it up like so much like Obi comes over and he's just like, you know, there's this uh, board of directors meeting. What? Th- this was a board of directors meeting? Like the way that he's like being playful and the look on on Obi's face as he says that just says that Tony like this is Tony. Like he's kind of this goofball who's now trying to find a way to be uh, be a more responsible person. And it is very much like this like this teenager who's been getting in trouble and is is trying to be responsible but still doesn't know how but it's subtle too though because what we know what what we the audience get to know is that he really is what's going on in the secret workshop in the garage is something that's responsible right that is the oh, ultimate sure. responsibility and so it it's fun to kind of see him in this in this mode responding so kind of this kind of knee-jerk emotional response to obi because he's just he's got his mind elsewhere also, uh, what a what a power move on on Obi's uh, <laughs> on Obi's part to bring pizza from New York, but it's I mean it's cold because it's from New York. Right. <laughs> They're in Malibu. He flew it, it over here. Look good? No, 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 no. Hey, cold pizza is always good. <laughs> Not room temperature pizza. <laughs> room temperature pizza is never good. Uh, cold pizza, I'm all for. You put it in the fridge. You you drink it with some coffee the next <laughs> yeah. morning. It's great. Yeah, but that's breakfast. Yeah, it's these good. are guys. I the the plane that that Tony flies to Afghanistan gets there in in record time. I'm sure that Obadiah is traveling equally in style and probably has that pizza in an oven in that plane. So I I I, I like to think that it's still piping warm, or at least in one of those big old pizza. Pizza bags, pizza bags. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Exactly. Yeah. Ray's Ray's famous pizza uh, aluminum pizza bib box. Right. That's yeah. is that what they call those? The I, don't, I, I don't know where bib came out of my mouth. That's one of those things I'm going to have to retrace. I have a problem. So is this is this the last time that Jeff Bridges wasn't Rooster Cogburn? Well, un- until uh, until uh, bad times at the El Royale. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. He was he he got back to sort of normal Jeff Bridges territory mm-hmm. in that movie. But no, no, the, the this kind of this was oh eight. The two thousand and tens were largely a a a Jeff Bridges as like you know Sheriff Marblemouth. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, like every movie, right. variations of Rooster Cogburn. Right. Yeah. Crazy Heart was uh, True Grid, obviously. Hell or High Water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He kind of kept R.I.P.D. playing. It. Even Only the Brave was a little bit. Kingsman was a little bit too when he was in that one. Uh, oh, very man. much so. The Giver. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Giver. 
this is not the normal here. This and El Royale, these are not normal. The normal, this this is an anomalous performance, and I I've missed it. I think well, this is the one that he does. This is we talked about this earlier. There's the presidential Jeff Bridges, which uh-huh. this is. This is like when he was the president in the Contender, mm-hmm. and then there's the dude, and then there's the Rooster Cogburn. So where's the Starman Jeff Bridges? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. That's like the seventies Jeff Bridges. That might the Starman might be the end of the seventies Jeff Bridges. Yeah, it's a whole that's a whole different Jeff Bridges. All right, so there is the fourth or the fir- that is technically that's, the first Jeff Bridges. Let's yeah. just say that seventies seventies Jeff Bridges is like is like average man, like Peter Flynn, Jeff or whatever, Bridges. Whatever. Yeah, 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 Peter Flynn, right. exactly. Right. Yes, I love Jeff here. I love the bald Jeff, oh. uh, like you said earlier, Pete. He carries it so well, and I love when he's toplet when he's we get that shot of him playing at the piano, and it's just it's such a great look mm-hmm. the way that yeah. the lights hitting hitting his bald scalp. It's great. Oh, it's so good. Uh, my my kingdom for a Jeff Bridges Lex Luthor. <laughs> oh yes uh, that would be an interesting uh has, has there been somebody yet who's been a villain in one universe and done a villain in another sure i feel like that has to be i'd have to think about uh it, oh demon houndsu yeah. is in guardians and he's also an aquaman oh that's right uh that's oh, it's, yep. it's happened a couple times i feel like uh well i mean michael yeah. b jordan yeah. no those are both marvel he hasn't been in a dc movie yet no he hasn't been in a dc movie yet uh is the losers a dc movie hmm. It's far to go. Okay, not really DC. Chris Evans. Yeah, Chris Evans. Yeah, not quite. Yeah. Right, right. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to think. I'd have to think that one through. Uh, it's very interesting. I, I'd be curious, but I. But you're right. He would be great. So you talk about power moves, like to the way they stretch this, or the way they they you know design this character. You don't. You don't do this. You don't carry yourself with that, you know, bald head and the big beard without knowing that you're coming off as sinister in some way. You are a sinister guy. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I think that's uh, that's so great because, you know, we have these conversations with him where he's he's trying to be, you know, he's trying to be sensitive. He's trying to be understanding. Yeah, he brought him pizza for crying out loud. But but he's still deep down like he's just he wears sinister all over. There's actually a weird uh, thread in this movie of like Tony and Obadiah using like food as a way of like communicating power. Like there's that scene earlier where Tony had like his little his pocket full of burgers. Oh, yeah. And then Jeff right, was right. like, oh, my yeah. God, can I get one of those? He goes, no, this is the last one. And now, <laughs> and now we have like Tony taking pizza and or Obadiah to take, you know, no, this is my pizza. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of weird. Well, it's so funny because it is like all of a sudden, because Tony's acting like a, a spoiled little child, all of a sudden Obadiah starts acting one, not, not quite more in the next minute, but it's, it's funny the way that they interact with each other. And I, I like that through this minute, we really kind of get this. It is like a frustrated parent trying to deal with a kid and trying to explain things to him. And I mean, he does it so well. I just, I love listening to him kind of spin it and talk and this whole, you know, they're claiming post-traumatic stress or filing an injunction. The way that he's kind of explaining all of that, I think works so nicely. Mm -hmm. And I can't quite figure out, I feel like Pepper is generally in Tony's corner. But in this one, it's it's almost like she's just sitting there and she's just there to throw in this one stinger at him. And just it's almost like she's got this jab of her own to throw at him, which I think is is kind of funny because she's not it's not really helping. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I mean, for the majority of, of the scene, Pepper just sort of has an air of like 
the personification of that Kermit meme of just like tipping back the tea and like, I, well, I wouldn't know anything about that. Um, <laughs> just, just really just like, I'm just minding my own business right. over here. Um, it's, it's really, it's, it's really funny. And you could tell that they were in the blocking of this scene. They were struggling to give her something to do because yeah. they knew that they needed to give her that line and they knew what they wanted these guys to do. But they're like, well, what's she doing? It's right. like, I don't know. Like, she's, I'm not she's sure. Laptop-ing. She's laptoping. Yeah, yeah, she's laptoping. She's businessing. Yeah. yeah. She, she has been laptoping here in this room before. So at least it's yep. consistent. It's consistent with her character. And she does have a plate of presumably pizza, pizza crumbs. She was eating at one point. Right. Although the pizza's, the pizza, he takes the first slice out of it. So I don't think it's pizza. Interesting. So she was eating other food stuffs. He also brought like cra- crazy bread. Maybe there's another yeah. fresh pizza. Maybe <laughs> from Maybe around probably, the corner. It, it was Domino's. <laughs> that's 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 crazy to me. The idea that Jeff Bridges stopped to get pizza two different in two different states, <laughs> two different time zones. Yeah. Uh, Ray's Pizza. I didn't realize this, but I didn't realize how big of a thing Ray's Pizza is. There are at least 36 Ray's Pizzas in New York, and their names are always, not always, but often slightly different, like Ray's Pizza, Ray's Pizzeria, Famous Ray's Pizza, Ray's Famous Pizza. And it was kind of this thing. They The first one started in 1959, and just people kept making them. And it's just like this thing. It's a joke to have like a Ray's on every corner even though none of them are really related. And I think that's really funny. Like, I I had no idea that that was like a New York thing about Ray's Pizza. That's fascinating. So this is a thing where it's a bunch of pizza places and may or may not involve somebody named Ray. They're just taking the right. name and making Ray's Pizzeria. Somebody even made one called Not Ray's Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, uh, that's brilliant. It kind of reminds me of the old Django movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like eight million Django sequels. But exactly. One, he's like a scuba diver. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a cowboy. Right. I did like the touch that the the box of pizza is sitting on a really nice backgammon board that Tony has on his little table there. A nice nod to the scene earlier when he's playing backgammon with Jensen and to the deleted scene where they're bragging about the fact that both of them are expert backgammon players. Huh. Seems appropriately lackadaisical that they would eat on a beautiful backgammon board. Yeah, it's just thrown there. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're just very casual about all of that. They're really rich. <laughs> they're really rich. <laughs> they don't care. They'll just buy, buy a new one. So this is what it looks like. 1% backgammon. It's interesting the way that this scene is scripted versus how it ends up playing out here in the film. In the script, it really feels like this conversation between uh, Obadiah and Tony where, you know, Tony comes out and he's just like, he's got this energy and he's like, I've got this big idea. It can pull the company in a whole new direction. And Obadiah is great. You know, get me the plans and everything. And Tony's like, you know, uh, I had a moment there when I was reluctant, but now I know I made the best, best decision. I feel like I'm doing something right. Finally, thanks for supporting me in this. And then there's a hint at the board meeting and everything and about the, the injunction and everything and, and all that. But Obadiah is very much on Tony's side, like through all of this, and there's none of this, this fighting about all of this. And it's, it plays so differently in the script. It's, it's nice the way that it works here, because it really feels like there's a lot more conflict. And in the script, it just, it feels almost like Obadiah is like, like, it feels like Tony is very immature and unaware of things. And Obadiah is just like, there you go, there, there. 
I don't know. It, it was oddly scripted. And I, I think that they did a much better job of finding a way to actually put it together here. Well, it's much more efficient. I think that's this movie's like sort of uh, magic spice, you know, is the, the, the fact that they took a script that was like kind of ho-hum with a good, good set of bones. And they just they just rewrote everything, you know, as they were going along. Yeah. It can be rough on people, but uh, they ended up delivering because there are times where that is the issue and it just is a disastrous film. So somehow we all lucked out. Yeah. I mean, you, you had a direct. Mm-hmm. That's that that'll do it. And also a good actor and a good actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You've got uh, Downey Jr. with like so much you know charisma for days mm-hmm. and he can he can, you know, work his way through uh, through a scene really, really well. And if I'm not mistaken. He and Jeff Bridges oh, and Favreau would often go out and just kind of act out these scenes on set and sort of work yeah. out the dynamics together. Yeah. And then bring it back to the camera. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And I don't know at what point in the production, like at, at this point when they're filming, this was uh, was Stain already scripted as the bad guy. Because I think initially, you know, they had Stain in there, but they were kind of going down this this road of the Mandarin, and then they thought maybe they'd do the Crimson Dynamo, and then they settled on Stain. And I, I wonder, like at this point when they're making this, was Stain still kind of a good guy in this film, getting set up to be the bad guy in the next film? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just interesting speculation. Like, I, I, I really wonder kind of when, when all that came down the pike and, and how Jeff Bridges was playing it and if it really aff- would have affected his performance at this particular point. It would make sense considering how, how I feel about Obadiah Stane in this movie, which is that, you know, I think, I think this movie is a perfect film for uh four fifths of it and then i think that last the last bit like when when obadiah like finally turns and and uses that that sonic device on him and then like becomes uh the ironmonger i think everything in that is just kind of um it just comes out of nowhere and like i don't i don't really know what his plan is exactly like he's like i'm gonna kill you tony and it's like well but then what like how are you gonna how are you gonna explain that he died (laughs) yeah how how are you gonna explain that he died how are you gonna explain what the ironmonger is and iron man like how are you gonna explain all of this away like what what is your plan exactly? Yeah, what, like what's the version of what's the what, what's what? the what's the morning after his plan working well? <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, especially when they've spent four fifths of the movie setting the character up as somebody who's brilliant and in control and can see around corners. Right, right. Um, yeah. So I've I've always had that issue with the with the last the sort of last reel of this movie with with Obadiah Stane. I think it's I think it's pretty rough and so it makes sense that they couldn't land on a on a villain which also makes sense because if you look at iron man's rogues gallery it's like yeah i mean any of these none of this matters so we can just choose any of these because none of these are like good villains like they're all just kind of you know b minus villains at best right you know yeah it's not a small wonder that the mcu is marked by less than impressive villains the first few years that's true they started with the hulk and iron man right yeah yeah absolutely yeah they really it it took it took some time to uh get a handle on that and and what they could do with the iron man villains because yeah i've been i read through a just a ton of those early Iron Man comics and they're they're fun to read but yeah it, it there weren't a lot of villains that really stood out 
at all. Absolutely. Until Stain. I mean, Stain is the one that, uh, I mean, he was in there for quite a stretch. And even then, his villainy worked best when he was uh, the one who bought out uh, Stark Industries and was just the one who kind of destroyed Tony uh, as a businessman. Mm-hmm. When he finally becomes Ironmonger, it's like one issue and that's it. And then, you know, it's, it's, all, it's like the end of the movie, right? You get, you get all of a sudden that one issue and then it's over. Yeah, it's, I was going to say, it feels a lot like the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I suppose we, uh, you know, we have a little bit more to talk about tomorrow. So today, uh, why don't we talk to you guys about Marvel and your place in, in the MCU and Marvel comics and everything? How did you guys come to, were you guys always comic readers? Did you uh, start watching the MCU films right out of the gate? Uh, what's your story? Yeah, I mean, I I, I remember um, very specifically when this came out, I was living in Florida at the time and uh, was really, really excited for this thing because of the practice effects because of just like the look of it and everything i remember seeing that first reel at the at you know on like videos like pirated videos at comic-con you know Uh um and seeing that that og that mark one uh iron man suit walking out of the cave and i was just like oh my god this is gonna be insane um and (laughs) and iron man was not a character that i had uh much of a connection to i you know i think at that point i had read um, sort of Bendis's new Avengers. And so I was like, kind of familiar with the Avengers, but the Avengers were not characters that I had, you know, particularly fond feelings for, like other than um, Captain America, because I had read uh, Brew Baker's Winter Soldier run, you know, that that sort of uh, mm-hmm. initial right, that initial right. arc. Um, and I loved that. And that was sort of like the the arc that made me fall in love for with uh, with Captain America as a character. But the other Avengers... You know, Thor never really did a lot for me. Iron Man in the comics never really did a lot for me. So I was sort of really looking forward to this movie despite myself. There was just something about it that felt <laughs> that felt like, yeah, this is this is going to be the next big thing. And I have to see this as soon as it opens. And uh, uh, I remember seeing it. You know, I think I, I think I even went to the midnight show. And like at that midnight show, I remember hearing like you have to stay through the credits. Like, you know, and it's like, what, what do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean? I have to stay through the credits. And so like, I I'm staying through the, through the, through the credits and I'm just thinking the whole time, like, man, I better not get punked. Like there better be something after this or I'm going to be really upset. Uh, and then, and then we have that, that great Nick Fury scene and, and, and sort of uh, cinematic history happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this was, this was just, this movie like blew me away. Uh, and, and was like, I, I can't believe you know, these movies can be like this. And, you know, I was, I was always a Spider-Man guy growing up and, you know, Spider-Man has sort of always been my, my favorite superhero. Uh, so I love, I love Spider-Man and I love that, that energy and Tony, um, in this film, you know, Robert Downey Jr. definitely endows Tony with that energy, uh, that, that sort of Spider-Man cocky energy, um, that Spider-Man can have occasionally and sort of just sort of bent it into like a playboy philanthropist mode, um, rather than, you know, Spider-Man, you know, being sort of like, uh, cocky in that he, that that's just like how he deals with his nervous energy. And, uh, it just worked like gangbusters. I mean, I, this is, this is who Tony Stark is in the comics now. It's so weird. I, I recently read, um, Bendis' new Avengers run again, uh, like, like a few months ago and I was reading, Iron Man, I was like, man, this Iron Man just feels so strange. I was like, what is the deal with this? And then it, I realized that it was pre, 
pre this movie. It was like from 2005. So this was a uh, Robert Downey Jr. list Iron Man. I was like, oh, this is what Iron Man was like before Robert Downey uh, Jr. started weird. playing him. And I was like, oh man, this is so weird. Um, and and I think I think Civil War was probably the last time. Uh, that that happened like the civil war comic was the last time that that iron man made an appearance and then everything after that has been inspired by robert downey jr more or less right. um and it's i mean that's that's how powerful his take on this character was uh and it and you know it, it not only changed history as far as like iron man uh as a character in the comics but then it also launched the mcu on his back which is just insane it's an insane performance that um i feel like doesn't get as enough credit as much credit as it probably should um but i think it's it's fantastic well i think largely i mean the film i think carries so much weight in the mcu but i think you're right a, a lot of that is that what robert downey jr did here i don't know if we would have really had the mcu had robert downey jr not played uh tony stark here yeah absolutely what about you nick yeah, I mean, it's a testament to his talent that we don't hate him for how much money he makes doing these. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I mean, it, it, you know, he, he's like, I think the most highest paid actor that's ever been. And it's somehow it's like, yeah, because he's he, he makes it all human. I mean, mm-hmm. Even going into Infinity yeah. War, where he's like talking to wizards and space mountain people with rock for, rocks for faces. He's, he's still like that guy. And I think he's it's what carries regular people through these movies as weird as they get and as like comic booky as they get you know Mm -hmm. it's almost funny watching this now and it's kind of more of like a michael crichton tom clancy thriller Mm -hmm. that i I think really hit audiences in a unique way where it's like oh never this isn't what a super movie superhero movie really sounds like yeah yeah Yeah, right right i love this movie It, it came out may 2nd 2008 and i remember knowing just having a feeling kind of like Scott just as, like, as a high school movie nerd, just like this is going to be a crazy summer and like Speed Racer and like Crystal Skull and Dark Knight and Hellboy 2. And I don't know, like I just remember sitting down and watching this movie start and feeling like just enthusiasm. And I think this movie just has yeah. like a really enthusiastic young heart to it that, yeah, I, I think makes it still so really watchable now 11 years later. Mm-hmm. There are 20 Marvel films now. 21 very soon and even more on the heels of that so we don't want everybody to try ranking all of their movies but what are your like your top five of the films of the mcu Ooh, uh let's see for for me it's still ant-man ant-man's still my favorite uh-huh i i i know that that's not a popular choice for a lot of people but there's there's something about that movie that just absolutely just hits me um in exactly the right way it's like everything i kind of want from this kind of movie and and you know there's a lot i know a lot of people it even got i remember it got criticized for just being sort of like you know too much like iron man um which i don't Hmm. i see the similarities but i don't i don't really agree i but i do see the structural similarities yeah it's a heist movie. yeah it's a heist movie so it's it is very different but you know a lot of people like pointing out that like you know the villain's kind of the same he's like a bald like (laughs) evil businessman you know but uh, I, I just, I really, I really love Ant-Man a lot. I think Ant-Man's probably my favorite. Um, after that, probably the first Guardians of the Galaxy, um, I really like. And then, uh, I don't know. I, then, it, then, it, then it starts to get murky because then you start dipping into the, the stuff where it's like, I mean, there's some really good stuff, right? Like, I, I love Civil War. I love Winter Soldier. 
Um, and either one of those could be my third. I think my third one ends up being like, depending on my mood a lot. Um, cause you know, I love those Captain America movies, but they're also a little heavier than the other ones. So I don't watch them as often because I, I, I like the lighter ones, uh, a little bit more. Like I'm, I'm more likely to watch, you know, a Thor Ragnarok over a winter soldier, but winter soldier is also like a phenomenal movie. So, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where my third one would be, but it's probably somewhere in somewhere there. Somewhere in there. What about you, Nick? Uh, I have it on my letterbox, so I'm just going to read this out. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> top five. Uh, a man who's prepared. <laughs> I love it. Starting- hey, if, you, if you've got a letterbox, let's hear all of them. <laughs> okay. Go down the whole list. All right, all right. So here we go. Just, just, just like, like a bullet. Uh, from the bottom to the top. So we're okay. going to start from the very bottom. Uh, Thor the Dark World. And even that has some fun parts. Sure. They uh, all do. Yeah, yeah. yeah it does. Uh, it does, yeah. Incredible Hulk. Iron Man 2, which I think is worth it for uh, for Rockwell mm. and Mickey Rourke. Uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Super, super flawed. Also super, super interesting. Mm. Uh, Thor. Really fun. Perfect summer movie. Mm. Uh, ends with a really good Foo Fighters song. Uh, <laughs> Ant-Man. Really fun. Uh, miracle that it's as good as it is. You know, considering like all the the hullabaloo towards making it, uh, Civil War really really fun. Uh, not a great Captain America movie, kind of a weird Iron Man movie, but has great some Avengers, movie, great though. Avengers movie has some really cool. Yeah. You know, Spider Man, yeah, forget right. about it. Black Panther, forget about yeah. Ant Man and the Wasp. Uh, just really fun, kind of like a '90s Chris Columbus comedy, but like in a Marvel superhero mm. world, is really fun. Uh, Infinity War, holy crap. You know, so many entertaining moments. Captain America, First Avenger, Spider-Man Homecoming, Winter Soldier. Uh, now we're getting into the top. Uh, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy. Top five. Avengers. Thor Ragnarok. Number three, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Wow. Now this is, this is controversial. Mm. Number two, my second favorite MCU movie is Iron Man 3. Hmm. Wow. Your uh, second favorite is Iron Man 3. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, do. I do love Iron Man 3 is in my top 10 for I, sure. I love Shane Black. I just love the oh, energy. I and love the, that. Yeah. And the visual wit. And I love the set pieces. And I just love what it has to say. I like that it pisses people off with the Mandarin. <laughs> Bold and, choice. Yeah. Bold uh, choice. I, I can't wait to talk about that one. And then uh, my number one, much less controversial, uh, but Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great list. Thank you. <laughs> there's some interesting choices in there also gratified really to hear great, that yeah. the first avenger is as high as it is oh that's that's in my that's in my top five that's in my top yeah, five it's one of my yeah. very favorites absolutely it's, it's it's uh it's i that's one i'll throw on a lot mm-hmm. um i yeah. love first avenger yep that's what i really struggled with when i first watched it probably the first like four or five times i watched it i was like i just didn't i and i never clicked with mm. it until my most recent watch when i just went through the whole thing and I find I feel like I finally got it, and I just I really really enjoyed it. It was one of those movies between the two of us was really divisive between me and Andy. I was I was really mad that he didn't like it for the longest time. <laughs> I took it so personally. Yeah, it's a, it's a movie that you really have to get on its wavelength. Either like you're in it or you're not, um, because it is such a sort of old fashioned kind of movie. Um, like it, it, it's definitely sort of recalling like old Hollywood style yeah. movies. Like it, it, it's trying to, you know, uh, be a little, uh, Richard Donner Superman and, and, and a little, uh, Rocketeer. I mean, same director. Um, mm-hmm. but you, yeah. you definitely have to get on that wavelength. And I think that, you know, we're so 
out of that world in in blockbuster filmmaking that backlots and stuff like that it can take people out of the movie uh and and that much earnestness can take people out of the movie mm-hmm. um and and you really i think you really have to be on its wavelength to really uh to get it and that's not to say that people who don't are like stupid because it's nothing to do with that it's really just about like understanding what that movie's doing and and accepting it for what it is yeah i think i i struggled because you know he i found him to be kind of a boring character because i'm like okay he's an eager goody two-shoes at the beginning and he's still that same character at the very end of the movie and i'm like okay so i am there's nothing interesting about him as a character but then i realized as i was watching it this last time it's really about how he's kind of creating this change in people around him and mm-hmm. like tommy lee jones's character i found so much more interesting this last time is a, kind of watching him kind of you know see him change and everything so I, it made it that much stronger for me as i watched how how uh, steve rogers was kind of making this change in other people yeah no i love that movie it's also so, it's also the only i think it's the only marvel movie with a believable romance in it oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay yeah okay i guess we'll uh try to think i like uh, i like t'challa and uh Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah. Eh. Yes. That yeah. one doesn't. That I think one that, do, that's that, the that, one that would live up to it. I, I see. I don't I don't agree just because they don't spend enough time on it. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I would want certain, certainly. It. Can, it, I will. Uh, I will agree. It is definitely the most romantic. Yes. MCU movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Maybe like with Thor. Yes. underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. And Thor. It's more of a romantic comedy. Sure. This is more of like a sweeping, Romance. swooning Casablanca. Yeah, it, yeah. It very it, well, and I, th- I think that was part of the era, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of capturing that mm-hmm. '50s era with yeah. with that romance. So I thought they did a good job with that. But I mean, I like you know, I I love what we're gonna get later in this movie with uh with Tony and Pepper. Yeah, I mean, there's chemistry, but I wouldn't call it a romance. But then, but then again, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm very picky when it comes to those things, as you'll hear me talk about on Spider-Man. Yeah. Minute I mean, all his the time. big sweeping romantic yeah. gesture at the end of the trilogy is like cleaning out his garage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, let's wrap it up uh, for today, everybody. Where can people find you guys? You know, you can find us at DuelingGenre.com. Uh, go check out our, our very first Movies by Minute podcast that we did, uh, Back to the Future Minute. Uh, we did 345 episodes of that, 340 episodes of Back to the Future, Back to the Future Part 2, and Back to the Future Part 3, and five episodes of Back to the Future The Ride. So we, <laughs> we, nice. we, not the, not the uh, animated series though. No, no, not the animated series because none of the creators have anything to do with that. Scott personally <laughs> hates it. And I hate it. I think it's, it's, it's not good. Uh, but, but the ride, that's icing on the cake. I yeah, yeah, yeah. So we really, we covered that franchise soup to nuts. So. <laughs> Go, go, go check that out. Uh, if, if you want to, you want to hear us sort of evolve into confident movies by minute podcasters through the first season of that show. Much like Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's very true. Um, so check, check that awesome. out. Back to the future. That's minute. Awesome. Magnum opus. <laughs> Well, that is it for today's show, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, make sure to subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers. Music.